Welcome back to Chai with Great Podcasters uh, and Content Creators. In this episode, I connect with Ron and Kathleen from Cognolytica. We talk about their AI Today podcast. I was there on their show as well. So we're doing a little swap and you can find that interview in the show notes. Uh, you already know, I'm guessing all of you already know about me. So maybe not as interesting. But in this episode, we talk about their journey. They've been putting out an episode for the podcast for four years now. And we discuss how did they get started in it, what's their journey been like, and all about their insights. Uh, I feel podcasting, at least from the perspective of doing it, is this interesting insight into different things around the world. Michael Kennedy from uh, Talk Python agrees with me on this. So I'm excited to share this interview with you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And as a quick reminder, please consider leaving a review or a or a comment on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube or a review on your podcast platform of choice. It's quite helpful for the podcast. With that, here's the conversation. Please enjoy the show. Everyone, I've run out of chair today a little early before starting the podcast because I was on the incredible A Today podcast. And not only that, I'm getting to interview the host from that podcast now. Uh, thanks for joining me, Kathleen Walsh and Ron Schmelzer. Welcome to Sci-Time Data Science. Thank you. Much Thank for you. Having. Yeah, we're excited. So I have, I've been listening to your podcast and like I said, offline, like it feels different to listen to at normal speed versus at 2x speed. There, there are a lot of incredible episodes there and one thing I've learned is every time I talk to podcasters, they have this interesting uh, vision into different people and different industries. So there are a lot of things we need to talk about and I would love to talk about, but I want to start by asking the question that I always ask, which is how did you get started in the world of data science and what got you interested in it? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So thank you for, for letting us get kicked off with that. So uh, like you said, I'm Kathleen Walsh. I'm a managing partner and principal analyst at Cognolytica. We're an AI-focused research advisory and education firm. And I started my career a very long time ago, <laughs> um, back actually in marketing. And, you know, back maybe, you know, 15 years ago when I got started, uh, marketing was really kind of, you know, just very traditional marketing. And it quickly has evolved into more than that. And um, social media has had a big play. Technology has had a big play in there. And obviously, like with anything, data has had a big play into it. Um, you know, it's always been important, but I think that as companies continue to have a larger data footprint, they continue to utilize data um, for all aspects of business, marketing included. So that got me very involved with using data and figuring out, you know, how best to, um, how, how it can be used to help with campaigns. So I worked at Hart Hanks, which is a very large direct marketing company. And I worked on the Bed Bath & Beyond account and also their Bye Bye Baby account, which is their baby brand. Tons and tons of data data, as you can imagine. Most of it was very U.S. focused. We're based in the United States. And so we did a lot of, a lot of work with the United States customers. Uh, but from there, that got me really interested in data. From that, I then uh, founded a startup. And I started that with my husband and the startup went under, but taught me a lot about entrepreneurship and just, you know, business understanding the, the importance of that running your own business. 
from that startup, I um, met Ron actually and started working on Tech Breakfast with him. Tech Breakfast was a, and still is, it's just a, on hiatus a little bit, but it may be coming back soon. It uh, is a morning demo style event. So this was well before COVID and back when people still gathered and met in person, we would meet in the morning. We had different locations throughout the United States. We had 11 different locations um, all up and down the East Coast, Boston, Massachusetts, New York, the DC region, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, which is, uh, you know, has a, a nice startup community, Austin, Texas, which also has an incredible startup community. And then Silicon Valley as well, because you have to run it in Silicon Valley. Uh, and we got to meet a lot of incredible people, got to see a lot of trends with startups and, you know, where things were going. And back in maybe 2016, 2017, we started to see, maybe 2016, we started to see voice really take off, you know, all the different applications with voice, with natural language processing. And from there, we decided to start Cognolytica, which is an AI-focused research advisory and education firm, like I mentioned. And I'll let Ron uh, introduce himself as well and talk a little bit more about Cognolytica. But that, you know, we track over 20,000 vendors in the space, and that's really what, uh, you know, get brings us to data science and gets us involved with that. Yeah, it's a great introduction. And and. Some great stuff. Even marketing has become a data business. So uh, maybe it's not even a surprise now to think that organizations like marketing is a data business. That's a great insight. So I'm Ron Schmelzer, also a managing partner and principal analyst at Cognolytica. And I actually started my undergraduate career back at MIT with Rodney Brooks as my undergraduate advisor back in the 90s, uh, when we were actually in that time just finishing or going through the second wave of AI. And actually, that was one of the things that really brought me to MIT. I was reading a book called Hackers, Heroes of the Computer Revolution, and it was about the early days of computing, but it was also about the early days of AI. The days of, of AI and computing really overlap quite a bit. And so um, I went through that, but then I kind of got wrapped up into the whole dot-com wave, and I started my first uh, startup actually in the in the dot-com heyday with another uh, uh, co uh, person who was in my frat at uh, MIT. We basically started it and and grew and raised sixty million bucks and got acquired during the the dot-com heyday. And then uh, basically I started an analyst firm after that focused on enterprise architecture. We were really focused on something called service-oriented architecture, XML, web services, very dry, but it really was very transformative. We really moved away from all these monolithic systems to what we have now, which are uh, loosely coupled services. Um, then that company grew and got acquired. And I decided I moved from Boston to Baltimore. I was looking for a startup community and I was starting another software company, and that's when I started Tech Breakfast along with the software company, like Kathleen, that software company went under, as happens, even with successful entrepreneurs, you can't guarantee success in this world. Um, and Kathleen basically told the story very well. I think the one thing I would like to add to all that is that we have been spending a lot of our time at Cognolytica with enterprises and large government organizations and agencies across the world, I, I would add. And everybody's basically facing the same challenges. You know, we're all trying to make AI machine learning work. You could be a three-person company, you could be a 30,000-person agency or organization. And the problems are very much the same about data and data access and all that. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that uh, shortly. But there you go. You got the full bios in the background. 
I, I also want to ask you, so like, all, all, I always get curious when I meet entrepreneurs and founders, like, uh, Ron, you had the, you had studied at MIT, you could have, I'm hoping and I know you could have joined any company you wanted. And same for you, Kathleen, like, why did you all decide to like start a company? Why not like go down, go along the standard path, the beaten path? Uh, we might have different answers, but we may actually have the same answers. I can tell you, I just don't make a very good employee. I've kind of learned that. <laughs> Kathleen knows this from working with me that it's sort of like a head headstrong and, you know, have ideas and not always right. You know, you can never always be right. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't have, I actually did work for a company. I worked for a company called us robotics, which manufactured modems back in the day and networking back, equipment in and back in the day. And that was acquired by Freecom. And um, I, I mean, I just, I just have that entrepreneurial thing. There's something about being an entrepreneur where you're just like, you want to take something that's nothing and you want to make something out of nothing. And, and you get, you get this, this, this sense of, obviously there's a financial benefit to making it work, but there's also a satisfaction that like you're giving some, you're giving a customer something they really want and you're helping them realize some solution to a problem they have. And I just, I, I personally, everybody has a different opinion. There's nothing wrong with your opinion. I personally find that to be very personally motivi- motiv- motivating versus following some, you know, being part of an organization and following someone else's direction. And I might not necessarily agree with their direction. I would mm-hmm. get very personally demotivated very quick. But then again, as I mentioned, my story is not for everybody. Kathleen <laughs> might have a similar or different story, right? Right. You know, and, and I mentioned I started at a very large organization, Hart Hanks. It's an international organization. Um, I found that that was not satisfying, you know, working for somebody else, because at the end of the day, you're not able to, you know, make decisions that really can drive that company forward, um, especially early on in your career, you know, just just starting off. So I found that uh, entrepreneurship, I, I mean, I've always, uh, you know, done that even as a child, um, and really liked business, liked creating things and being an entrepreneur allows you to create things and allows you to have that freedom as well and kind of make decisions, maybe take a risk that you would not be able to at a large organization. So I love it. Like Ron said, you know, it isn't for everybody and it is your opinion and everybody goes into it for different reasons. But I have found I, I really actually enjoy um, the freedom and the creativity that comes with entrepreneurship. I do want to add one note. This is for all of your, all of the listeners and the, the viewers out there, because I know there are many people who are working for a large organization and they may hear what we're saying, like, what am I doing working for a large organization? And the answer is that every organization needs individual contributors. Even we have people who work for us that are highly valuable. We value their time. And the thing about entrepreneurship is that the failure rate is very high. I forget the exact statistic, but it's something like more than nine out of every 10 companies that get started fail. Uh, people obviously run out of money. They, they, they have this issue. And even we have this issue sometimes where it's like you try to, you come up with something and you're trying to make sure the market wants that thing. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always happen. You know, you, you have an idea and the market says, I don't really want that thing. Um, and there's always, always little, like when you're in a small company, it's like every person, their personality is just dominates because when you're like three people, it's like when you're making a, a recipe and you have three ingredients, pretty much pick high quality <laughs> ingredients. <laughs> every ingredient is contributing to the flavor of that bread or whatever the thing you're making. Right. So I tell our listeners, if you're part of a large organization and you're contributing and you're adding value and you and it's satisfying for you to do that 
then yeah, don't have to go out there and create your own thing just because somebody else is doing it. You may find more satisfaction knowing that you're helping the bank better serve its customers, the service company better provide solutions, the retail establishment better making the fit health. If you're in health, you know, contributing to the health of, of people and every industry has that value. So I, I just didn't want it to make it seem like if you're not an entrepreneur, you're you're not, you know, meeting the world's needs because it, it sure ain't as glamorous as as uh, many would maybe make it out to be. <laughs> that's that's a very honest answer. I think, like uh, speaking a bit about myself, like, but I think startups are the very nice intersection where you like also have the ownership and independence because, like you, like you said, you probably one tenth of the company yourself, and you have to take ownership. So I think that falls into the nice intersection, at least for me, where you can like at least take ownership, and you to get quite serious responsibilities as well so that's i enjoy that but i I'm, i'm curious about your bag uh, your background in content as well i was just reading reading up about tech breakfast and it got to 50000 members in 2017 i'm sure it's much more than that now and it was about show me not tell me so you were really creating projects you both have also been writing incredible posts for forbes which is the holy grail for content so since i'm a struggling content creator myself i would like to ask you what makes good content in our field in your opinion yeah um like kathleen you may want to start about what what really resonates with with the people when we're out there trying to whether it's the because we, we do create po- uh, content on the podcast and the forbes and the mm-hmm. all, all these sorts of places yeah yeah we found that you know providing useful content obviously you know write about people's pain points and write about what we, I mean, we focus on AI today. That's the name of our podcast and that's what we work on. So we have decided to not focus on, on research and not focus on, you know, artificial general intelligence, that idea and how far away are we and what are we doing to get to that and what's possible once we get to that. We're saying, what can we do now with AI and how can AI help your business now, help you with a pain point now? And so that's really what we focus on, um, and, you know, and, and kind of its evolution and how it's evolved. Yes, it's been around for decades, like Ron said, but we don't focus back on the 1950s with kind of where things were um, and kind of, you know, that entire journey. We're saying, okay, well, now that we are here, where, where and how and why are you using it and how can that help your organization? So we always interview, you know, people from a, a broad range of different industries, as Ron had mentioned, banking, finance, insurance, pharmaceuticals, retail, construction as well, agriculture, you know, it's really affecting every industry and it can affect every industry and have some, you know, very uh, potential benefits as well. So we like to say, this is, you know, how it can help you. And this is what we're seeing. So use these examples to help guide you forward. And then we've also talked a lot about methodology. Um, and we advocate for CPMAI, best practices methodology, which is cognitive project management for AI. And if your uh, listeners would like to learn more, I encourage them to go to courses.cognolytica.com. That's courses.cognolytica.com. And they can learn about the methodology because It's, you know, what we have found as well, we track, I said, 20,000 vendors in the space, which is a incredible number of vendors that, and we are, we regularly talk to Fortune 1000 companies, senior leadership from there, and we are 
maybe we shouldn't be, but we continue to be shocked and surprised in a not good way that more companies than we'd like to admit are running their projects ad hoc. They don't have methodologies. They don't have best practices in place. And that is not the way to succeed with AI. You cannot run your AI projects and your machine learning projects and you know your data centric projects as you run application development projects. And companies that do will very quickly realize that is not the right way to do it. And don't be surprised when your projects fail. Right. And this has actually been a topic that's been coming up, not just, you know, we're not the only ones saying it. We, we, we're seeing this in our interviews, but recently Andrew Ng wrote about the fact that he, that they are seeing all these projects failing. And we say AI and machine learning projects, and certainly there's a high rate of failure there because of, of mismatched expectations. What we expect the systems to do and what they can do are often not in sync. And the question is, that does that mean, is it the problem of the technology or is it the problem of the expectations? Usually it's the expectations, but it's also the other things that get in the way of make, meeting those expectations. And a lot of that has to do with data, which is not ac inability to access the data, quality of the data is poor, having to do extra things to the data. We talk a lot about data labeling and annotation for the purposes of supervised learning, for example, and people not realizing that there is a human labor component that needs to happen. There are some, there's needs, something needs to happen there. Synthetic data, we need to do something, right? And, and not realizing that, that the project scope keeps, keeps increasing. And so, yeah, the answers to a lot of these things are, it's not what you do, it's the way that you do it, is always the answer. Uh, we learned 20 plus years ago that if we wanted to build uh, software in a way that was able to respond to continuous changes, we needed to do something called Agile, which built on extreme programming and all this scrum and all these things. And people are like, this is the best practice. And it is the best practice. Uh, that is the way to do it. The thing is, is that we're now learning that data projects are a beast in and of themselves because it's not about delivering functionality. The chatbot in version one is this pretty much the same chatbot in version 20. What differentiates the chatbots is the NLP, the, the, the model that you're building to understand what's being said, to provide valuable responses. And if you go, we're going to build a chatbot, it's going to answer 10,000 questions and I'm going to give you two months to do it. You're like, okay, that's got like a 95% chance of failure. That's just not going to work. Yes, yeah. the chatbot technology exists. Let's Let's chop this up into like a more reasonable process. And that's where the methodology comes into. What is that process? Uh, the reason why we're, we're, we're so shocked about this is that how can organizations hire into their organization data scientists or anybody, a contractor, if they don't have a process by which they're running their projects? And they don't. You know, we, I, I'm, like, I'm like, you are a Fortune 100 company. You are a Fortune 10 company. You're telling me that every data scientist or every person you bring in is going to come up with their own process. You're telling me that three different parts of your organization, they're all doing these projects in their own ways. And you're saying, I'm okay with that. No, no. The rate of failure has nothing to do with bad technology. It has a lot to do with bad process. But as mentioned, kind of going off the rails here. So I don't want to go too much. Our YouTube watchers here can see me getting enthusiastic about this. <laughs> no, this is awesome. I like what I, we in my community like to call it is called the practitioner approach. Uh, I call myself a practitioner because I'm not a researcher and uh, not a proper developer. So that's a nice intersection. But then also it's about knowing these little implementation details where 
only if you're in the industry you would know how to like apply things the proper way and you've struggled so many times that you don't want to do it again you would know what things you need to do so that's like really important uh but coming back to my questions uh i'm curious how does uh, the podcast fit into cognitive system because it's an insane effort one thing i know for sure podcasting i know you put out regular episodes every single week for the past 4 years i'm a fan of you just for doing that but like where does it fit in the ecosystem why do you pursue it so sincerely why do you put so much effort into it well we actually started our company with the podcast um when kathleen and i were were getting into this space what we realized is that even if we understand sort of the fundamentals of the technology and the concepts we don't we didn't really know what's actually happening out there i mean this is actually this is actually a little bit of a blessing and a curse i think this is our personality that kathleen and i um are kind of realists mm-hmm. we 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 kind of are, <laughs> i mean you might think that's a good thing it's actually not always a good thing we're we're no. realists and 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 we do, we the, the the marketing the hype and the spin and the bs don't really impact us we we kind of see through a lot of that we're not really very impressed often i don't know how we have that personality but we do and and that means we're always like yeah i know that's what you're saying but tell me what you're actually doing mm-hmm. and so that's we actually started the podcast as a way of 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 listening of hearing what people are doing and using the podcast as sort of a a way to connect with folks that we may not be able to connect with otherwise it wouldn't respond to our email perhaps you know if we just mm-hmm. said hey what are you doing or um you know something like that and and we didn't want to listen to the to the industry hype and so uh that really really uh got that's what so we started with the podcast is really a way mm-hmm. to sort of get our research going uh the reason why i mentioned being a realist is not always a, a blessing is because sometimes like um sometimes it's better not to know how things are actually working it's better not to know how the sausage is made as they usually say mm-hmm. uh because because um because there are so many roadblocks there's so many things that get in the way and if you know too much about it you might discourage yourself you might say i'm never going to be able to do this because this is the way it's done and i can't get into it and that and, and therefore you kind of stop yourself before you start so you have to sometimes sometimes as i say sometimes it's better to to believe the simple non-truth sometimes better than knowing the hard actual truth but uh, that's exactly. a whole other topic and yeah. and wanted to know about why we started the podcast so i don't know if Kathleen, yeah. you wanted to add to that yeah, yeah you know to add to that too as analysts ron and i talk to a lot of vendors in the ai landscape the very broad ai landscape and they have a lot of marketing spin and hype around that right i get it i have a marketing background you want to sell it you don't you know so be bold and make bold claims but making bold claims is very different than actually being able to have the technical power behind that so the podcast is an additional way for us to get to talk to some of these people that maybe we wouldn't talk to otherwise and say is how are you using ai today how is your company are you building versus buying and if you're building what are you doing what are your roadblocks I mean, we have talked to hundreds, if not thousands of different people on this subject. That's why we know that we need to have more broadly um industry adoption of best practices methodologies because not as many companies out there are using that as you should as as they should. If we didn't have these real conversations, we wouldn't know that. 
and that's also what this podcast allows us to do. So it allows us to very broadly talk to people and say, okay, you know, how are you, how are you really you know, doing things behind your curtain. And then it gives uh, our listeners the benefit of that as well so that they can really see what's going on rather than getting, uh, you know, and believing that's pin. Like Ron said, we're realists. And so that's great as an analyst, but it maybe isn't always great for other applications. So this is just an additional way for us to kind of, uh, we say, cut through the hype and noise. Gotcha. Uh, I know like, uh, it's, it's always interesting to do podcasts, like you get this interesting insight into anyone's mindset, into their journey. It's also like an effort because like most of the times your day isn't going good. You decide, why do I need to do a Zoom at 1 a.m. for me sometimes? Maybe I should just not do it. And then you talk to the person, you get such an amazing conversation. So like that's, that's in hindsight bias that I have, but like, why did you start the podcast in the first place? You started it in 2017. I didn't even know what podcasts were at that time. So why, why start it in the first place? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Kathy, you want to jump yeah, in on that one? Sure. I, I, you know, I was going to say, because it was a way to talk to people and it was a way to help educate a, a broad market at the same mm-hmm. time. Uh, there weren't a lot of podcasts back then that were focused on artificial intelligence and cognitive technologies as, you know, we, um, as an umbrella term for it. And so we thought it was important to get out there and start having these conversations and, you know, four plus years 200 plus episodes later, we still have not tired of things to say. We still have not tired um, of finding guests, of having different series. You know, we thought it was important. uh, Sometimes when we're educating ourselves, it was a great way to educate ourselves. And then the bonus was to educate our listeners as well at the same time so that we could all be learning together about how AI and cognitive technologies was being used broadly in different industries. And those were some of our most popular podcasts, uh, you know, how it's being used. And some of the, what we thought was more obscure uh, use cases like construction, like agriculture, those have been some of the most popular articles and podcasts that we have had. So, you know, um, <laughs> sometimes you just, you can't predict what's going to be super popular. And that's why it's been great because we've been able to have such a broad reach and the podcast was a really great way for us to do that and still continues to be a great way. It is. You know, the interesting thing about a podcast or any sort of um, sort of media, um, I guess, you know, media exposure, I guess, or channel, if you want to think about them that way, is it does give you access to people and things that you might not necessarily have otherwise. And actually, to be honest, I think the podcast now has actually more credibility in terms of getting access to something than even us writing for Forbes, which you might think is the holy grail. And it is. I mean, it's great to have an audience that than that. But sometimes some people don't want to be interviewed. By, by the press, but they have no problem being interviewed on a podcast. I guess it may seem to be, I don't know, less um, exposure. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. It's just a mentality. Some people don't like being interviewed. Well, maybe the it's press. their words and it, they don't have to worry about any spin on yeah, that. You know? Maybe made less of a filter, less of an editing, that sort of thing. So it, podcasts do help us get access. One, one really great thing I do want to say, part of the reason why I even have these pull-up banners, like why do I even have a pull-up banner? What's it doing in my house? Well, the answer is right now <laughs> just serving as a background. But we actually used it because we've been invited to certain conferences where we did live podcasting. 
and we and uh, for example, we were at back in the day when we had live events. Amazon had their Remars conference, uh, which was the the whole space and machine learning and robotics and all that stuff. That's I think what the M A R S stands for, uh, and. Um, and we were we had our own little podcast booth there, and it gave us access to Amazon executives, uh, to Amazon customers, and um, it was really very nice. And you know, would they have done that for us if we were some publication or we were an analyst firm? Probably not. And so, uh, for our for the watchers and listeners out there, if you think you're interested in getting exposure to any market um, and getting exposure to space, a podcast is certainly not a bad way to do it. Yeah, I think like I would just keep having the conversations, even if like no one listens to it. Like it's it's also good excuse. Like if would I get to speak to Kathleen and Ron? I don't think so ever. Like in my life, but since I have the podcast, they're here. They're talking to me, and like a few thousand people also get to learn from you. So that's that's incredible. Uh, I've been doing it myself for like more than a hundred episodes. I missed the count. Uh, how did you pick your co-host? Why did you decide to co-host the podcast together? Well, we just have natural oh. you know, uh, <laughs> chemistry here. We're, it's it's we're very apparent right now. Yeah. I'm sure the listeners can tell. Well, you know, maybe, maybe actually this is a good question for Kathleen because I was actually, because, I, because I, I'm used to sort of being up in front of the crowds. I, when I was doing Tech Breakfast, I was always the host. I was always up there. And actually when Kathleen joined, you may want to talk about this. I think maybe the first few episodes, it was kind of new to you, the whole getting on and, and doing a podcast thing. You obviously got over it very, very quickly. He's very, very good at it now. You know, Kathleen goes out and speaks at a ton of conferences, you know, expert moderating other people's panels. She doesn't need anybody help now. But maybe you want to talk about the sort of the the, the first getting started that sort of sure. thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, why why did we decide to be the hosts? Because Ron and I started Cognolytica. So it just made sense that both of us were co-hosts to run this podcast so that we would have the opportunity equally to speak to people rather than alternating back and forth or just having one person do it. So I think that that was a really great decision that we made from the beginning. And, you know, as Ron mentioned about four plus years ago, I was not regularly, you know, on the speaking beat and doing podcasts like this quite regularly. So one benefit that podcasting has done for me is it's made me incredibly comfortable um, up on stage, talking, giving presentations, moderating other other panels, and also gives me uh, and, and both of us visibility and exposure, then gets to interact with a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, and really learn how to help them shine. Right. You know, because at the end of the day, we want our guests to really be able to resonate their message and their we deal with a lot of different personalities. Some people are, you know, shy. Some people are nervous people. Some people just feel very comfortable and can talk forever. And we kind of need to say, okay, thank you for that <laughs> 10 minute answer. Let's rope it in a little. Um, so it's, it's, you know, allowed me and the opportunity to really get to talk to a diverse set of people, really, you know, help them shine. And I think that that also works with our articles as well. Uh, so that, you know, we can highlight people and, and really have it resonate so that they're able to express and share what they want to share rather than sometimes what they say, if that makes sense. You know, they can say things and kind of ramble on, but then we can sum it up and say, okay, well, this is what you really meant. And that was really great insights. And so let's focus on that. Yeah, it's it's interesting to like have the conversation recorded. Like I'm 
at least I am always in that constant assessment mode while having the conversation. Am I like, am I saying something too stupid? Should I just stop? Or, oh, wow. Like, I can't believe I just said that. And I, I'm starting to learn, like, it's the same with everyone. Right? Fortunately, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It's sort of like, I, I like to say, it's sort of like um, dancing, you know, like some people don't like to, to, I know a lot of people are shy. They don't want to dance, right? Like whether it's a wedding, it doesn't really matter where it is. It's like, there's no, and they're like, everybody's looking at me or something. They may think that, but actually the truth is no one's looking at you. Uh, Yes. They're all thinking about themselves. And so, I mean, they would be if you like were super foolish and you like jumped up and did some flip or gents down the bar. Okay, now you're making a spectacle. But like, you know, the, 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 you know, the typical thing is like, it's like, yeah, everybody's sort of like in their own world. They're not thinking about that. And so when you're up there and you're speaking, you're like, oh, I can't believe I said that. You're lucky if people are listening to you. So uh, <laughs> sometimes we say things twice or three times. One of the things we realized is that um, this world, I think, has be- has developed a shorter attention span. I-, I mean, it's hard to really find a way to compare, you know, that to like a hundred years ago. I couldn't possibly compare. Do we really truly have a shorter attention span, or have we always been like this? Hmm. But um, it is hard to get people to pay attention. You can even write an email to someone and put something in the subject line. And put it in the email, and people will not notice. <laughs> How did you miss that? How can you miss something so obvious? I just said it right. twice in that I email. Mean, yeah, Kathleen and I had an interaction today where we're like, we have these buttons on a site that say sign up. I'm like, how can you miss it? I'm like, okay, we do a little self flagellation. We're like, okay, maybe we could change something. But I'm like, are people like, are they not paying as much attention anymore? So this is, that's, that's a whole other conversation. And maybe you have to, maybe, maybe this is a, a you know, you have to do something just like, okay, well, realists, uh, maybe people aren't reading. So what do you do? You got to do something. Maybe you got to put that button in you know, this big here and basically <laughs> like click here, you know? Uh, but anyway, it's sort of an off topic track. Uh, conversation here, but I, I would say you're doing a fantastic job. I've listened to your podcast. I've watched the videos. You do a fantastic job as a, as a guest, as a host for the podcast. And you're a great guest on our podcast because you let, you sort of let people shine. And, and that's really what it's really all about. You, you're being too kind, I think. Uh, but I want to get back to my questions. I'm looking at the Apple podcast page of AI today podcast. And for the people listening, let's help the reviews go up, but it's well uh, reviewed. <laughs> I want, I'm, I'm curious, like it's, it's a few interviews. It's all, there's also an education series. These are the recent episodes, their methodologies. And earlier you were also talking about trends from the earlier episodes that I listened to. We've, we've been in this conversation, but how do you, if you were to define the AI Today podcast, what is it in 2021? How do you define it? Well, um, you know, a couple of things in the AI Today podcast is really, if you're interested in knowing what the challenges and struggles are of people who are trying to put these promised technologies of AI, machine learning, even advanced forms of automation. And we talked about advanced analytics as well, but we are on the topic of AI and um, machine learning. That's our focus. And that's kind of, we're gonna keep going until, I mean, honestly, the market really has to fundamentally collapse in a way that nobody even wants to listen anymore about this subject. That's when we'll stop. But we have like no plans to, to, to change that. People are really interested in knowing kind of where things are and where things are going. And that'll, you know, we, as mentioned, Kathleen, we got podcasts scheduled out, you know, into the future. Months, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, our focus when we started was 
AI today. That's why we named it that. And we said, yeah. how are people actually using AI machine learning, those cognitive technologies very broadly today? That's always been our focus. We just showcase it differently. So we sometimes do it through an education series. So we sometimes do it through our AI use case series, which we especially did more at the beginning. And then we do it through interviews as well. So, you know, we have, and, and also some, some podcasts, we also uh, talk high level about our research and various trends in the market that we're seeing, uh, you know, with different markets that we cover. So whatever, we decide to focus on for that podcast or specific series of podcasts. It always is how is AI being applied today in industry, in different governments around the world. We have a very international focus. So we are based in the United States, but that, you know, we have clients all over the world. So kind of how, how is it being applied and how can we help move things forward? Yeah. It's, but it's also like, it's hard to put a podcast in a bucket because it's like, so many things also at the same time, like there, there's so many things happening in a conversation. Throughout this journey, you've you've put out one episode every week. Uh, I know that's a lot of effort for the past four years, four consistent oh, years. That's right. What's been some of the observations from you? Like what's what's been a few key learnings from just like running the podcast for all this all these weeks? Yeah, I, go ahead, Kathleen, yes. Sure. Um, So I was going to say, I think some general uh, focus things that we've seen is that, you know, people want to see how AI is being applied in other industries. So that's one one thing that we've seen, Um, especially people that are not early adopters, right? You know, some companies and individuals are a lot more risk averse than others. And so they want to say, okay, well, how is it being applied? I want to see a bunch of use cases and then I can move forward and, and say, okay, I'm able to really evaluate this. And also other trends that we've seen is that people are not adopting best practices methodologies. And so we're really focusing on that. And that's part of why we put out our education series, because we want we want folks to understand you need this and this is why. And so rather than us just continuing to say it to our listeners, we're saying, okay, well, we'll give you this education series. We'll give you this teaser of what we have. And so if you want to find the the full course and all of the information, as well as the workbook and everything that's involved, you know, go to courses.cognolitica.com. You can read about it. You can learn more. And then you can take um, our education so that you can become CPMAI certified and really be able to put it into practice. But if you just like a little teaser, then here you go. And so that's what we found, that folks want to be educated. They come to a podcast because they want to learn something. And so in general, that's that's kind of been our focus throughout this. Yeah, um, you know, we've learned a lot of interesting things that actually, you know, the funny thing is sometimes we'll highlight some some interesting thing that's happening sort of at that moment in AI, even though we don't really focus on the news. That's not like not our thing. There actually are other AI podcasts that do focus on the news. And we actually had a few of them on our own podcast, it was AI and on AI and a few other ones that, that did that. The Let's but, Talk but, AI podcast does that. Yeah. yeah, but it's sort of interesting because it highlights some something that's happening in the industry and we like to be aware and we call attention to it. And actually it's interesting to see how it changes. So for example, in 2017, 2018, and maybe through 2019, uh, robotic process automation was really taking off. I mean, these companies were raising money. It's funny, you know, you may, our listeners, your listeners might be familiar with companies like UiPath or Automation Anywhere. In 2017, they like raised maybe like 
single digit millions of dollars of money and they had like kind of revenue that's like you know it was good but nothing like humble it, but, revenue yeah. <laughs> but the ramp was like crazy i mean like the ramp has has been absolutely remarkable and those are great success stories that have a lot to do with automation but in those early days there were conflating this idea of robotic process automation and ai and i remember for our watchers lists out there that people were saying that rpa and ai were somehow the same thing or combined i don't know and we're like how can this even be one is like nothing to do with the other this is just automating a script to take stuff out of the email and to put it in the database or to take stuff out of the website and combine. Very useful. Trust me, we have a lot of uses for that kind of automation ourselves. But that has nothing to do with machine learning and you know extracting value from data. You can add intelligence to automation just like we do with industrial automation. But um, so we were on this on this this kick for a while, basically trying to, to re-educate the market. And you know, I think it's stuck. Um, the RPA vendors have all been like, yep, automation's a thing. And AI is a thing. You could do these separate things together. You don't have to. You could still get value from RPA not doing AI. And you can get value from AI not doing RPA. So um, there's been a lot of that. Uh, there's been a big readjustment, uh, especially in the last year, on the uh, just how good autonomous vehicles are going to be. Um, you, you might have seen Tesla is sort of getting into some trouble there, uh, but all the, all the vendors are. And um, this is not unique to a single vendor. I think people are realizing just how hard autonomous vehicles truly are and um, some fundamental issues in the industry. And I think, I think you'll see the enthusiasm has kind of cooled off a bit. And mm. um, you know, those, I would say those are some of the things that we've, we've been seeing and we, we, we note it, you know? Yeah. Uh- I don't see self-driving cars coming to India. Like, I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with the scene here, but like, it's, it's <laughs> the basic rules of traffic aren't followed sometimes here. And like, the cars operate based on that. So I'm just like, curious if, if you ever lanes, see that. Lanes, what lanes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm always interested when I hear someone talk about, oh, the lane markings aren't good here. Like, what, what are you talking about? What, what lane <laughs> markings are you talking about? Right. It's not that bad. Sometimes it is, uh, but maybe I'm exaggerating a bit. Um, coming back to the questions, what's uh, something that you're excited in the near future? Something that you feel is still underrated? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Okay, yeah. yeah, you get started this time. Yeah. Oh, because I, I know what Kathleen's personally interested in, but we just yeah. talked about the challenges there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I actually really like all of the mundane uses of machine learning that, you know, actually machine learning is really good at. I have to say, if you're trying to do any sort of image recognition, object recognition, you have a good training data set. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get 100% accuracy. There's been all this talk about the fact that training data sets have, can make all these mistakes and we have still issues of adversarial attacks, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's to the point where for like a lot of applications is very good. Same thing, NLP solutions, very good. The use of AI machine learning for things like predictive analytics and clustering and discovering, uh, it's actually really gotten very good. And, I, and I'm actually really very interested in, in maybe a more, I'll say sober approach to machine learning where it's like, yeah, let's look at the problems where we're still, we have still too much paper. We have still too many human driven processes that get stuck. Um, why are, you know, why do banks still have banking hours? You know, mm-hmm. uh, can I really make retail more effective for the local, you know, uh, shop and things? 
that really gets me very excited. I know it's like not as exciting as like cars that can drive themselves and, you know, other interesting things. But um, I think that for me will have lasting impact if people can just uh, sort of ignore the hype a bit. <laughs> uh, I think it'll have lasting impact. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, you know, one thing back in 2016, 2017 that I was really excited about was autonomous vehicles, especially autonomous cars, so that I could maybe one day get away from having to drive. Um, that would be a dream. <laughs> Still be able to get places, you know, in a vehicle, not have to take public transportation and, and kind of get myself there. Um Ron just pointed out there's been a lot of setbacks in that industry. You know, I think people realize that it really, really is a difficult problem to solve. And we we're, we're a lot farther away from it than um, I'd like I'd like to be. But I, I do understand the issues with that. Right. And there, there are real challenges. One thing that I am excited for is we always talk about this idea of augmented intelligence, where we're not replacing the human, but we are just helping the human be better. So do their job better or, you know, be more creative, but we're not replacing the human. And those aspects I really enjoy. And I'd like to see, um, you know, where we continue to go with that. For example, you know, there's a lot of uh, email applications now that help with grammar and help you craft, uh, you know, with like predictive typing, things like that. Those are great applications. They can, you know, they save just a little bit of time, but they, they really do help. Where can we go with translation as well? You know, what kind of um, augmented intelligence tool will I have going forward that really does help me travel the globe and not have to worry about language barriers anymore or maybe cultural barriers as well? It's able to, to say, okay, this is, this is what you do in this culture. Also, you know, if you're driving in India, uh, look, look both ways every single second while you're crossing the street. I don't know, <laughs> you know, things that you wouldn't do necessarily in the States, um, to kind of help you be, be a good tourist and, uh, understand how things work. Some of those cultural norms that don't always translate so well. So that's what I am excited for. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I feel as more, I call it the top-down learning approach, uh, but as more people get involved, we'll see interesting applications. That's one thing I'm personally excited about. Coming back to the podcast, I'd love to wrap this episode up. But before that, I'd encourage the audience to check out the AI Today podcast. I've seen it on Spotify. I heard it on my MacBook. So I'm guessing it's also there on Apple Podcasts. And I'm sure it'll be there on any RSS platform uh, where you can listen to a podcast. It's by Congolitica. Also check the website out. Uh, we talked about the courses. If you're interested, you can find those as well. Uh, Kathleen and Dawn are active on LinkedIn and Twitter, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything else that I missed? Uh, I, th I think you got most of it. I mean, we also run, we didn't really mention this either on your podcast or ours. We run these uh, communities, these online communities, just like you do. That's an opportunity for, for folks to connect. They actually used to be in person. We started with the AI and government community here in Washington, DC region, which is where, where we were. We, I was actually in DC at one of the universities there, George Washington University. And we would get together uh, 6 to 8 PM. We'd have pizza if we were not on campus, we'd have beer, but we'd have pizza and, and food and beverages and other things and cookies and whatever such of stuff. And uh, we would hear from people in the government who were actually trying to apply AI. And the ones that were interesting were always the ones that were like, as I mentioned, mundane, Bureau of Labor Statistics, an economist was using 
natural language processing to automatically encode surveys on workplace injury data. Really cool. You know, things that the Customs Citizenship and Immigration Service or chatbot or what's happening in procurement or the tax office here, tre Treasury. Um, those all went online, of course. And actually, mm -hmm. it's really grown quite a bit since then. So since March of 2020, we've been online. So you can go to AIandgovernment.com and you can watch all of these. And we've had NASA, uh, just as the... Uh, spacecraft the rover was was landing on mars uh i forget what it was yeah, perseverance perseverance yeah perseverance. the the head of of nasa's ai the jet propulsion laboratory chris mattman he was there he was talking about all the ai systems that were on yeah uh, it was really cool really and awesome. that is available so one thing that actually ron uh said it was in person but back in march of 2020 it moved online and has been online since then. One thing that's really great about it being online, well, there's a few things, is that one, it's recorded. So people can go back and watch it. Sometimes you need to watch things two or three times. You know, you catch different things. Number two, and, and maybe you weren't able to attend live. So now you don't miss that opportunity to speak. And number two, we're able to get people from all over the world. So while we had it you know, it was always a international focus. We just majority of time got federal, uh, U.S. federal presenting mm -hmm. because we were in D.C. But now we've been able to have state and local governments from across the United States. Chris Mattman actually is based out in California. So it would have been difficult to get him in person in D.C., but we were able to get him um, because it was virtual and we've had a lot of international people as well. So we had someone from the UK House of Lords and then on our podcast. So sometimes we will interview them in, you know, have them on at the AI and government event and on our podcast as well. Sometimes it's just one or the other, but we've been able to have people from Hungary and we are getting someone from Scotland as well, uh, the CDO of Scotland. So he will be presenting at an upcoming AI and government in December of 2021. Uh, talking about their national strategy, the Scottish national strategy. So, you know, we're able to, to move it online and then have all of these incredible conversations that we might not have had otherwise. And yeah. another community that we have is the data for AI community as well, where that is really uh, not focused on the government, but it's focused on, on how businesses are using and applying and thinking about data for a wide range of uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and cognitive technology use cases. Yeah. So um, we talk about all the not so exciting things there, data preparation, data engineering, <laughs> yeah. data labeling, annotation and sourcing data and all sorts of stuff. But always, yeah. again, have lots of things to say. So if you want to connect to that, that's data AI conf or just probably. Yes, data AI conf.com. It routes to the longer URL. That's why you know, I, I mentioned <laughs> that. And then we have the AI and government. Uh, com. They're both online communities. Join us. They're always free. All of our events are always free to attend when they're online. When they're in person, we always, you know, have to cover the pizza and beer cost. But uh, <laughs> uh, otherwise, we'd, we'd love to, maybe we can find some opportunity to connect with your community. We can do something online. And maybe if the world sort of gets its act together, we can do something in person sometime soon. I hope so. I hope so for both the things. But thanks again, Kathleen and Ron. This was an incredible conversation and I hope the audience enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you.
थैंक यू सो मच फॉर लिसनिंग टू दिस एपिसोड इफ यू एंजॉय द शो प्लीज बी श्योर टू गिव इट अ रिव्यू और फील फ्री टू शूट मी अ मैसेज यू कैन फाइंड ऑल ऑफ द सोशल मीडिया लिंक्स इन द डिस्क्रिप्शन इफ यू लाइक द शो प्लीज सब्सक्राइब एंड ट्यून इन ईच वीक टू चाई टाइम डेटा साइंस